What I want to share on this morning uh, is a message that I've called uh, Growing in Stature. Um, after doing it first time around, I thought actually f- it's five keys to growing in stature. Uh, so I just want to touch on five uh, areas um, that I really feel speak into where we are as a church at this point. Uh, we're expanding. You can see expansion on all sides. Uh, we're growing. We're developing. It's great seeing individuals and ministries uh, growing and people really stepping into all that God's made them to be. And I just feel there's just a few things on my heart that I, I really feel God wants to just speak into us at this point um, in this season of expansion and of growth. And uh, for me, this kind of this message started uh, with an encounter and experience I had uh, on the Love After Marriage course, LAM, that Emily and I did last term. Um, Dave and Kate Stevens uh, have done a great job bringing love after marriage into the Eastgate environment. And uh, Emily and I did it last term. I know a number of you have just started uh, on the, the latest course. And um, there's so much wisdom uh, released through uh, the materials that uh, Barry and Laurie Byrne have put together. And uh, on one evening, we um, spent some time doing something called Spirit Blessing. Uh, which uh, they, there was some teaching around it. Uh, there's a book written by a chap called Arthur Burke, uh, Blessing Your Spirit. And uh, so that on the DVD we watched Barry and Laurie explain uh, the idea, explain the concept that obviously we have a spirit and uh, it's good to speak to your spirit just as you would speak to your mind or you know, train your body. Actually speaking to your spirit and speaking to one another's spirit is a good idea. And... Uh, they, they're obviously sharing it in the context of marriage and husbands and wives, uh, blessing one another's spirit. Uh, and then we got to do an exercise on our table. So on Lamb, you uh, sit on a table with eight or ten other, uh, ten, ten people on the table. And uh, we just did a simple exercise where we just stood in a circle and one person at a time would just stand in the middle. Uh, and as they did, uh, we would just look eye to eye with... Uh, the people we were getting to know on our table. And we just start with a simple declaration. And it just went like this. It just was, I bless your spirit to lead your soul and your body. I bless your spirit to take prominence over your soul and your body and to lead you into all that God has for you. And then just began to release prophetic words and declarations over one another. I bless your spirit to be strong. I bless your spirit to receive the abundance that God has for you. I bless your spirit to grow in stature and to grow into all the fullness that God has made you to be. And it was amazing as we were doing it, as people were releasing that over me, as I was releasing this over others, I could just literally feel myself expanding. It was like, you know, that expression, I felt 10 foot tall. Well, I felt 100 foot tall. You know, it was like my spirit was kind of coming alive. It was like my spirit was coming out of me. And uh, I literally felt like we were downstairs and it was like my spirit was... A hundred foot tall. It felt like it was kind of expanding out of this building. And um, that was quite a moment for me. And I, I remember actually, I think it was on the drive home or the next day, just had this, this thought inside. It just was like, you finally realize I'm here. You finally realize I'm here. And it was like my spirit was kind of breathing a sigh of relief and saying, wow, you finally realize I'm here. And it was like, I recognized that experience from... Sometimes I've had some moments I've had with God or perhaps moments where I particularly felt his anointing or particularly felt the flow of the spirit. 
And I suddenly realized, wow, it's like my spirit has lived under my mind and my emotions. And occasionally it's popped up <laughs> and done amazing things. But I hadn't, didn't know how to sustain that. I didn't know how to make that a lifestyle. I didn't know how to let my spirit lead me and lead my soul and my body. And God be, God's been showing me actually that that is my true stature. That is who I am. That I need to see myself in the spirit. I need to see who he's made me to be. And I need to live primarily from that spirit realm into the natural realm. I was sharing this with Pete and others. And suddenly some of the th- a lot of the things that Pete shared over many years were starting to make sense to me. You know, Pete talks about living in the spirit, strengthening your spirit, speaking in tongues, you know, in order to grow and strengthen your spirit. And suddenly these things were making sense to me in a whole new way. But I realized that, as I say, I'd lived for so long with my mind, my emotions taking the lead. And I've always had a desire to be led by Holy Spirit. That's always been my desire. And it suddenly dawned on me again, wow, I think there's been a missing piece in the puzzle. How can I be led by Holy Spirit if my spirit isn't leading me? Because actually it's my spirit that's connected with Holy Spirit and able to receive all that heaven has for me, able to receive the power and the abundance the revelation from heaven and then reveal it to the rest of me. And it's not that my mind or my body are unimportant or insignificant. It's just about getting things in the right order. And so God was speaking to me about this. And I really feel in terms of growing in stature in this phase we're in where, you know, we're developing and I believe we're, we're stepping into more and more of what God has for us. I believe that one of the keys... Uh, for this and for us in this season is living in the spirit and learning what it means to live in and by the spirit more and more. So having had this experience, I went back to the Bible and thought, I need to, I need to look at this again. You know, I, I, I was telling people, I think I've become a Christian. <laughs> Honestly, that's what it felt like. It's like uh, this, some things are finally making sense. And, um, and so I went and I just thought, so I got, I just had a look in the New Testament and started looking at Jesus and the early church and looked up all the references to spirit and spiritual. And it's amazing what I found. One of the first things that stood out to me was where Jesus is dying and he cries out. It says he, he cried out loud and then gave up his spirit. In Psalm 31, it says, into your hands I commit my spirit. And I suddenly realized, oh, when Jesus was on the cross and died, it was only his body that died. His spirit was alive. Into your hands I commit my spirit. Jesus was alive in spirit. And I realized, actually, death is just our physical body that dies. Our spirit lives. See, Wendy Backland, in her book, Living from the Unseen Realm, she says... It's so important that we see ourselves primarily as a spirit being with a body, not a body, physical body with a spirit. Getting things in the right order and getting things the right way round. Suddenly realize, actually, even death, it's not the end. Your physical body dies, but you remain alive. Your spirit remains alive. It's simply transitioning from one realm, from one reality to another. 
And then I came across this passage uh, in Luke, Luke 1, 80. I was familiar with the passage where it talks about Jesus growing up and how he grew in favor with God and with man during that time as he was developing, as he was maturing, as he was coming into his fullness. But I came across this and I'd never seen it before. Certainly it had never registered with me. This is talking about John the Baptist. And it says, and John the Baptist as a child grew and became strong in spirit. Speaking of his spirit, I suddenly thought, wow, it's possible to grow strong in spirit. And it's possible to grow stronger in your spirit. So therefore your spirit can be weak or it can be strong. And it's possible to develop it. I'm obviously familiar with the idea of training your body. We all will be. You know, you can train your body to get stronger and to get the fullness out of it. You can train your mind and develop your mind. But the idea of training my spirit or strengthening my spirit in that way so that I was living in the fullness of who God had made me to be and called me to be, that was completely kind of felt like a completely new idea, a new revelation. John grew strong in spirit. John the child grew to become the prophet John who announced the way for Jesus. How did he do it? He grew strong in spirit. He became fully developed in terms of his spiritual kind of man, the spiritual man that he was made to be. And I really feel that's a picture of what God is kind of drawing us into and calling us into. He's stepping into the fullness of who we are in the spirit. Paul talks about as seeing each other in the spirit, seeing ourselves in the spirit. Now, who has God made you to be? Who has God made you to be in the spirit? What's he called you to be? We were singing earlier the song, uh, You're the God of Miracles. And as we were singing that in first service, I just felt God say to me, actually, you're, this is speaking about us. It's one thing to believe that he's the God of miracles, but do you believe that you're a man of miracles or a woman of miracles? See, we can believe in the God of miracles, but we also need to believe that we are men and women of miracles. And why do we believe that? It's because our spirit is connected with the God of miracles. He is the God of miracles. His spirit is where the power for miracles happen. But our spirit is connected with him. And so you are a man of miracles. You are a woman of miracles because you're connected with him. And, it, and this is how we draw the abundance of heaven. This is how we draw the power of heaven. This is how we draw the, the unlimited resources of heaven into our world. We talk about living from heaven to earth. And very often that means looking, well, what's heaven like in terms of perhaps its nature or what goes on there? But actually, heaven is a spiritual place. It's a spiritual realm, a spiritual reality. We're living from the unseen, from the spirit into the scene, and we're pulling on that. And it's amazing when you look through the New Testament, what this looked like for the early church and for Jesus, and the kind of things that they got up to and were able to do in the spirit. They got revelation by the spirit and in the spirit. You you look at the examples of the apostles getting revelation through visions, through trances. The book of Revelation, John talks about being taken up in the spirit and 
having these experiences and encounters. Jesus would multiply food. Philip would transport from one place to another. These are realities. This happened. And I believe that the way that we access these things, the way that we access this abundance, this miracle realm, which is what we want to be demonstrating to the world around us, is actually in the Spirit and by the Spirit. And I know for me, when I preached on this in the evening meeting at the end of last term, it felt like, and I said this at the end, it felt like God was enrolling us in the school of the Spirit and, giving, and basically saying, come and explore, come and, come and find out what this realm looks like, come and find out how this realm operates, come and experiment, come and, come and see what it is to have these kind of experiences because this is what God has for us and this is how we access this miracle realm and this realm of abundance. God's drawing us in. And we don't need to be afraid of this realm either. Because God is spirit. It's his realm. Now there are some things in that realm that aren't good. So we need to distinguish between those. But actually we can press into all that is good. And learn to be mature and fully developed in that realm. God's drawing us in. He's drawing us in. I also came across 1 Corinthians 2. If you want to turn there. This kind of opened my eyes some more. So this is Paul writing to the Corinthians. And uh, we'll pick it up at verse 6. And it's just after Paul's famous line where he says, I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. But then he goes on in verse 6 to explain that although it was a demonstration of the Spirit's power, they still had a message. They still had a message. So we pick it up in verse 6. Uh, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom. Who wants wisdom? Yeah. Among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. He then goes on to say how no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared. So it wasn't within the capacity of the human mind, human understanding, human wisdom to understand, to conceive what God had prepared for us or what God was revealing. So how was it revealed? God revealed it to us by his spirit. Because the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. We have not received the Spirit of this world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we may understand what God has freely given to us. And then he says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, expressing spiritual truths in spiritual words. And then he ends that passage by saying that we have the mind of Christ, which Bethan was singing about earlier. This is the mind of Christ. How do, we exp- how do we know the thoughts of God? How do we get the thoughts of God? How do we 
get this revelation? Well, it's by the Spirit. It's in the Spirit. The Spirit teaches us. And then we use spiritual words to articulate spiritual truths. Who wants to know the thoughts of God? We all want to know the thoughts of God. David Webster last term was teaching a lot on wisdom. We've heard a lot about it. And we're seeing great examples of that. People like Sean Boltz and others around the world. Amazing revelation. You know, you think, how did you get that? How is that possible? It was possible by the Spirit. And as we step into this, as we get comfortable, more and more comfortable in that realm, allowing God to show us things that perhaps at first would our mind just would reject, but actually in the Spirit, we're able to grab them, we're able to reveal them. You know, when Sean's giving his words, oftentimes he'll be saying, I don't actually know what this means. <laughs> this doesn't make sense to me. But he's giving it because he's learned how to receive in the spirit and not allow his mind just to filter out the things that don't make sense. We need to live in the spirit. We need to live by the spirit. I just feel at this point, I just to release some declarations over you. Um, so I don't know, do you just want to stand? There's a bit more, more I want to share, but I feel like this is really significant for us. And I know some of you, you know, are way more experienced than I am in this. Um, so this won't be new to some of you, but for others, you'll be getting the same revelation I was getting. And, uh, yeah. I just want to speak over you. I just release the same declaration we did in Lamb. I just bless your spirits to lead your soul and your body. I bless your spirits to take prominence over your soul and your body. I bless your spirits to lead you into truth as your spirit follows Holy Spirit. I bless your spirit to receive the secrets from heaven. I bless your spirit to receive revelation from heaven. I bless your spirit to hear heaven's voice more clearly than you've ever heard it before. I bless your spirits to grow to their full stature and to bring you into, your, into the fullness of who God has made you to be. I bless your spirits to receive and release miracle power into your life and the lives of those around you. I bless your spirits to experience freedom and to lead you into freedom and all that God has for you. I bless your spirits to receive the abundance that God has for you. I bless you to receive that. <laughs> An abundance that is beyond comprehension. Beyond comprehension. Great. You can take your seats again. You know, Paul talks about that in that famous prayer to the Ephesians. He talks about knowing the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. And I know I've said it before, but how do you know something that surpasses knowledge? I think he's describing there the reality that our spirits can get things that our natural minds could not get. That in the spirit we can know something and then it's released to the rest of us. I think that's key number one to us growing in stature. Number two, the other keys are shorter, you'll be pleased to know. Uh, but key number two is recognizing what you've already received and what you've already been given. If you turn with me to Matthew 13, Matthew 13 verse 11, Jesus here is... Uh, telling the parable of the seeds and the sower, who's throwing out seeds, seeds of the kingdom. 
and those seeds are falling on different types of soil. I think I've often read this through the lens of the gospel uh, and salvation, the gospel going out. But actually, in verse 11, Jesus talks about the secrets of the kingdom having been given to the disciples. He says this, verse 11, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them, speaking of the others who were listening. And then he says this, Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now the word abundance is one that's been living with me a lot uh, recently, and God's been speaking to me about that a lot. And I've been asking him, how do you, how do you access the abundance that you have? I, I know you've got it. How do you make that a reality here? How do you access it? And then reading this afresh, suddenly that word jumped out at me. That we're given seeds, and actually in that seed is an abundance. The potential for abundance. Whoever has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. He talks in the passage about the seed producing 30, 60, 100 times the kind of crop. And God began to speak to me about just recognizing what seeds have I been given. What seeds has he given me? One of the grounds that he describes is a ground that actually initially receives the seed with joy. But then different things crowd in and, and the seed doesn't actually grow to maturity and to its fullness. And that spoke to me because I realized that actually there are lots of times where God drops things into my heart or I get a breakthrough or I get a revelation or I have a moment with him. And in that moment, it's like I've just discovered this amazing truth. I've just discovered this amazing key. And maybe it lasts a few days or it lasts a week. But then I get busy or other things just crowd in. Or I get distracted or I just forget. And then a couple of years down the line, I realize, oh, God said that to me. <laughs> what have I done with that? What, what have, how have I sown that? How have I invested that? What have I, how have I shared that to see it develop and grow? How have I used that gifting? that revelation, that anointing, whatever it is that God's given you. And it just caused me to step back and just begin to write down, what are the seeds that I've been given? What are the seeds that came with life, but perhaps I had forgotten about or hadn't fully recognized? Because actually, as we recognize what we've been given and we use it, we invest it, we develop it, actually, it says that we will then have and we will end up with an abundance as we steward well these seeds of the kingdom. And I believe again that's that's something important for all of us uh, to catch up on. I think the third kind of key is linked to that, which is finding your sweet spot. Finding your sweet spot. Because we we've been given many things and you know, looking around the room, there are people who are gifted in many different ways and many different areas. But I've really felt God just impressing on me recently that in the stage of development we're at as Eastgate, that we're moving from being just generalists to some of us being specialists. And I don't think that's... This, this isn't necessarily for everybody right now, but I feel for some that that's a significant shift uh, that God is wanting to take us on. 
of finding your sweet spot, finding your one thing. Pete last year was talking uh, a lot about a book called Good to Great, uh, which focuses on the most successful companies or some of the most successful companies, I think is in American history. Um, And these are companies that have been successful not just for a year or two, but at least 15 years of sustained success. And one of the things that uh, the author identifies as a key for these companies is that they found their one thing. They found their thing that they were amazing at. They found their thing that nobody else could do as well as they did. They found their thing that made them tick, that made them come alive. And they focused on that one thing. I don't know if any of you have watched this week uh, the Australian Open Tennis. Um, I've enjoyed watching Kyle Edmund uh, make his way to the semi-final. He's great as Andy Murray. Hopefully Andy Murray's going to come back. Uh, I'm praying that he will because I like Andy Murray a lot. It'd be great to have two great tennis players in the top ten. But, uh, you know, if if Andy Murray is on the way down, uh, Kyle Edmund is definitely on the way up. And uh, I watched... Uh, on the news the other day, they were interviewing his PE teacher at school. And uh, they were saying how Kyle Edmund it was still held the records at school. There were all these records they, they listed off. You know, PE, you know, I think it was high jump and long jump, 80 meters sprint. You know, the, Kyle Edmund, he was obviously gifted, a gifted sportsman in so many different areas. And then his PE teacher said, but I'm so glad that he chose tennis. I'm so glad that that's what he chose to do and where he chose to focus his energies. And, uh, you know, I've just been thinking about that in the context of, you know, elite athletes, elite sports people, that actually at some point they need to make a choice. They might be good at many things, but at some point they need to make a choice and say, this is going to be my thing. This is going to be my thing. And I just feel for, for some of us here that actually we need to make that choice. And it's not that all these other things aren't good, but actually... We need to make a choice. We need to choose to focus on one thing. Because you could be good at many things, or you could be great at something. And I feel like God is calling us, and many... Please don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not dismissing the kind of generalist, because I think that's a good thing too. But I feel God is calling us to greatness, and actually greatness requires a focus and and putting some things down. Um, The other aspect of that, just to say, last term, Charles McLaughlin ran some coaching training uh, here at Eastgate. And a number of our guys are getting trained in coaching and things like that. So if you want some help identifying your thing, there are lots of people in our environment that will be able to help you uh, to do that. So growing in stature, it's living in the spirit and by the spirit. It's recognizing what you've already received and investing that. For some of us, it's focusing on our one thing. And then there's two other keys. I believe that as we grow bigger, as we grow higher and wider, we also need to grow deeper. And we need to grow in our connections with one another. I don't know if any of you have seen uh, the SAS show that's been on Channel 4 recently, Who Dares Wins?, Uh, I've caught the end of it, after, I usually catch the end of it after the Sunday evening meeting, get home and uh, get a chance to watch the last half an hour. In fact, there's one guy on that who looks remarkably like Danny Silk. Uh, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if that's what he does in his spare time. He, he, he kind of even sounds a bit like Danny Silk. Uh, he's one of the uh, commando trainers. 
Um, it's not Danny Silk, but it could be. Um, but there's a lot of lessons, actually. Like You, you see uh, what they put them through, and the, the, the selection process is intense. Um, and, and they literally they go through physical uh, kind of process, training and selection process, and then, then they focus on the mental. Once they're worn down and they're tired and they're done, they then go in for the mental assault. And they're basically trying... The aim is to make them crack. They, they want to push these people, men and women, to their limit. And in this particular show, they've got 40 civilians that they're putting through it. But they only expect four or five to actually make it. What's been amazing is, actually, they push them to their limit. But failure and cracking isn't the end of the process. What they want to see is when someone's right up against it and pushed to their limit, what comes out of them? What is it that comes out from the inside? And the amazing thing, actually, one of the things I've seen is that weakness doesn't disqualify you from being in the SAS. Now, there probably would be some things, but actually everyone who's been through, what they want is for people to actually know what their weaknesses are. They also want them to know what their strengths are. And they also, what they also want is as a team... That the, the guys that go through, the, the, the band of brothers, if you like, the SAS group that you're in, you need to know each other's strengths and each other's weaknesses inside out. You need to know who's alongside you. And honesty and authenticity is one of the highest values that the SAS has because you have to be able to trust implicitly the person to your left and to your right, which means they have to know themselves and you have to know them. Jamie Lee was talking about this last week, the connection that's built through vulnerability. And vulnerability isn't just about sharing weaknesses, as he said. It's sharing strengths. It's sharing dreams. It's sharing vulnerabilities. It's sharing hopes. It's sharing ideas. And as we do that, we build this connection where you know the person next to you has your back. Whether you're in a moment of weakness or the moment of greatest triumph, that person, the person to your right and to your left, they've got you covered. They've got you covered. They know you. You know them. And I believe that as we grow bigger, we also need to grow deeper and more connected. And then the final key is developing a growth mindset. I'm saying the word develop. I'm not meaning we don't have it or have these things. I'm just saying God, I believe, is taking these to a different level and wants us to take them to a different level, that we develop a growth mindset and strengthen the growth mindset that we already have. Uh, And to uh, explain this, I'm going to turn to uh, that famous philosopher and wordsmith, uh, Will Smith, Uh, a video I came across this week which kind of sums this up really well. So if if we could play that now. I love this one. Fail early, fail often, fail forward. Um, you know, it's always a little bit frustrating to me when, when people have a negative relationship with failure. Failure is a massive part of being able to be successful. You have to get comfortable with failure. You have, you have to actually seek failure. Failure is where all of the lessons are. 
you know, when you go to the gym and you work out, you're actually seeking failure. You want to take your muscles to the point where you get to failure because that's where the, the adaptation is. That's where growth is. Successful people fail a lot. They fail a whole lot more than they succeed, but they extract the lessons from the failure and they use that the, the energy and they use the wisdom to come around to the next phase of success. You gotta take a shot. You have to live at the edge of your capabilities. You gotta live where you're almost certain you're gonna fail. That's the reason for practice. Practice is controlled failure. You're getting to your limit, getting to your limit, getting to your limit. You can't lift that, you can't do that You until you get to the point that all of a sudden your body makes the adjustment and then you can do it. Failure uh, actually helps you to recognize the areas where you need to evolve. So fail early, fail often, fail forward. There you go, so it's getting comfortable with failure and it's not failure for failure's sake. And it's not failure without feedback and without learning the lessons. As he said, actually successful people have to push themselves to that limit. But they extract the lessons when they stumble and fail. We're not talking about moral failure. We're talking about pressing in. Pressing into the giftings God's given you. Pressing, pressing into the talents God's given you. Pressing into the the kind of spiritual capacity and giftings that God's giving you. And actually developing and strengthening that environment in which actually stretching and risking and failing is actually seen as a good thing. Where we then receive the feedback, we get the lessons, we extract the lessons from that in order to go again and reach even higher the next time around. And developing and strengthening that culture, I think it's linked to that connectedness. You know, the ability to give and receive feedback is built on trust. Is built on trust. And actually, as we grow these connections, we're going to be able to create that more of that culture where we can fail, we can risk, we can step out. And if we do fail, if we don't get the result we hoped for, actually there's people there to cover us and to help us learn the lessons so that next time we get to go again, and we get to hit the mark. So developing that culture is another really important part of reaching our full stature. So five things to growing in, growing in stature and becoming all that God has made us to be. Recognizing who you are in the spirit and learning to live from that place. Recognizing what you've been given and investing it. For some of you, focusing on that one thing that you know God has made you for and God's called you to do. Growing more connected and having a growth mindset so that failure is not something to avoid, but actually stretching ourselves and going beyond and stretching into all that God's called us to be actually is our normal. And then where we do not get the result we hoped for, we come round again, we learn from it, we get the feedback, and we go again. Developing that cycle, developing that culture. Yay. 